0: Let's just pray, hey? Lord God, I just pray that you would have your will and your way this morning. Lord, we want all of what you have, God. Lord, right now I just take my hands off and I say that your hands would be here, Lord God, working through us, working through me this morning. Lord, may it be your voice and not mine. May it be your words and not mine, God. Pray that you would just so minister here today, God. Holy Spirit, you have free reign. You have free reign. The way you are, there is liberty. There is fullness of joy. Sierra, Lord Jesus. Minister to hearts this morning, God. Reignite dreams. Reignite fire. Pour out your oil over all of us this morning, Holy Spirit. Reignite plans and visions. Reignite passion in this place, Lord God. I just see a reignition happening in this place and new ignitions too. Things being reignited, but then new things coming. New things being brought to people's hearts, new commissions, new plans, new dreams, new visions, new wine, new oil. Lord, we want all of it and we call it forth right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, even now, Begin to minister, begin to minister, open up our spiritual eyes. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation over every single person here in this place this morning that our eyes would be enlightened, Lord God. Enlighten us, open spiritual eyes, Lord God, unveil us to who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Today I have a word on my heart. Give me a second. Thank you for whoever brought me water. How did you know? That was Holy Spirit right there. He's already moving because he knew I needed water. But today I have a word about eternity. Because God this week, well, really my whole life, but in particular this week, has gripped my heart for eternity. And he wants to grip your heart for eternity. He wants to grab hold of it and grip it for the things of his kingdom. And so the title of my message this morning is this heaven interrupted, heaven interrupted, because I want to live a life interrupted by heaven. Church, we need to be interrupted by eternity. Isn't it interesting that most of the distractions and the interruptions in our life are actually not eternal? And I'm not going to give you a mushy start to what's going to be a pretty solid word of truth. Our life is not interrupted by eternity enough. Our life is distracted by everything but. See, eternity isn't on the other side of real life. Eternity is real life. Heaven Isn't some faraway fancy place that, you know, we just think about right before we die? We are citizens of heaven now. We need to be heaven interrupted. Interrupted by the thoughts of eternity, by the thoughts of the kingdom, distracted by everything that He has. I'll tell you church my life time and time again has been interrupted by eternity. It's been interrupted by Jesus. Look, I'm going to I'm going to lay it out straight right now. Give me a second. I feel I'm going to cry. I don't know why. And you know what? I hated crying in messages. I hated it. In fact, when I used to practice messages that I know I was going to cry, I'd cry and cry and cry all week to get all the tears out so that I wouldn't cry on the message. But I have to be okay with the tears today because he has gripped my heart for this. Church, he wants to ignite something in your heart this morning. He wants to take your eyes off the temporal, the temporary. He wants to take your eyes off what we can see in front of us, and he wants to fix them on the unseen. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 4. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. Let's turn there now, church. Oh, man, he's gripped my heart this morning. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. What a start. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our flesh, right? Our flesh, it can't keep up sometimes, let's be honest. It fails. Our flesh is weak. That's the truth. Even though our outward man, our flesh, is perishing, the inward man, the spirit man, the spirit that dwells and lives within you, the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's why you don't lose heart. Because your spirit is being renewed day by day. But how often do we focus on this outer guy, this outer man, this flesh, and so we lose heart sometimes. We lose heart. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. Sorry, I'm going to turn to it on my phone because my laptop keeps turning off. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction is working out our glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen. Now, I just want to stop there for a second because it's quite confusing, really. We don't look at the things that are seen. What do you mean? We don't look at the things that are seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. So how do you see the things that are not seen? How do you see the things that are not seen? Because we have this outward man who sees everything around us and sometimes loses heart. So how do you see the things which are not seen? God grants you spiritual eyes. He grants you spiritual eyes to see beyond. See, there are two realms, right? There's the realm we can see and the realm that we cannot see. And God wants us to fix our eyes on the realm that we cannot see because that is the eternal realm. It is the realm that isn't temporary. It is the realm that shows us we have the victory. It is the realm that shows us who we are in Christ Jesus. It is the realm that shows us the spirit of God who lives within us. It is the realm that shows us the angels who minister with us. We fix our eyes on what is not seen. Our inward man is being renewed day by day by day by day. Our inward man, our spirit man, our spiritual man, the Holy Spirit that comes and resides within us. But we become distracted by the scene. Oftentimes we're interrupted by everything else but heaven. And God wants to interrupt your life in a good way. He wants to come and interrupt your life in the best way possible. He wants to interrupt it with freedom. He wants to interrupt it with his peace. He wants to interrupt it for the ministry of reconciliation which we carry. If nothing else, though, he wants to interrupt it because he loves us. Because he wants to be with us, because he wants to spend time with us. You know, I heard Graham Cook this week and he said something like, You are the beloved. That's your job. Your job is to be loved outrageously. I love him, he's so good. Your job is to be loved outrageously. We're distracted by the other jobs. When our first job, first and foremost, is to love and to be loved by God. To love and to be loved by God. The menial stuff is fine as long as I first know that I'm his daughter. We have to get on with life. I'm not saying spend your days and days and days in prayer. I'm sure that would be great if you could. But our everyday life has to start with that fact that we are his sons and his daughters, that we have a mission on this earth, that there is something far greater, that there is eternity. And we have to take our eyes off this seen world and fix them onto the eternal sometimes. See, church, real Christianity is disruptive. It's disruptive. Real Christianity has disrupted my own life constantly. It's disrupted my plans always. It's disrupted my will all the time. Real Christianity is disruptive, it is disruptive to darkness. It is disruptive to the culture of the world. It is disruptive to the things that come against us. Real Christianity is disruptive and as it should be. Think about Jesus. Some people might not like this, but he was a bit disruptive. He stirred a little bit. He had to. He was disruptive. It was disruptive to make a whip and run through, flipping over tables because his house was being misused. That's a little bit disruptive. He was disruptive when he went and stood in front of a woman caught in adultery and told them, you who are without sin cast the first stone. He was disruptive when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. He was disruptive to darkness. He was disruptive to the culture of the day. Real Christianity is disruptive. It disrupts your life, but it disrupts the darkness around us. So we need to start stepping into real Christianity. We need to become interrupted by heaven. Christ came and disrupted my life in the best possible way by showing me that I was radically loved, that I had a plan and a purpose and that I was called to do this right here. That was disruptive because I'm happy to sit back, I'm happy to hang out and have a job and I'm happy to do those things. But he's disrupted my heart for normal. And we need some people disrupted and ruined for normal. The kingdom of light needs some people who are ruined for normal. The kingdom of darkness needs to see people who are ruined for normal. And trust me, I've tried normal. And it's nice for so long. But, you know, I often just feel like Jeremiah, the Word of God, is like a fire shut up in my bones and I could not hold it in. And I will not. That's the thing, like church, when you get in touch with your truest calling, when you spend your days with Jesus, when you walk with the Holy Spirit, you're ruined for normal. When you see his glory in your life, you're ruined for normal. I want his glory to interrupt me daily. Lord, would you do it? It can. You have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside you. Living and dwelling inside you. You know, it was interesting. I was reading Ezekiel the other day and I've had this revelation before, but... It just, it just still blows my mind. He's this amazing man who had some incredible, crazy encounters. When you read that book, it's like, Whoa, that would disrupt religion because he was taken to places and transported and taken into valleys and it was wild. But do you know what? I loved that at one point it says the Spirit of the Lord entered me, meaning that the Spirit of the Lord didn't always dwell inside him, but it always dwells inside me. Is that not wild? They said, the Spirit of the Lord entered me. Church, the Spirit of the Lord dwells inside you already. You've heard it often, but we might get to heaven one day and these amazing greats of faith will come up to us. Well, what was it like? What? What was it like to have the Holy Spirit inside you? Um, I paid off my mortgage. Um, I, my daughter was really good at dance and I went to all her recitals. But the Holy Spirit, like what wonders did you see? What greater works? Oh, right, that. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, church. What testimony we can have when we grasp it, when we grab hold of it, when heaven grips our heart. You know, we like to think that the devil only deals in rebellion and sin and lawlessness. But I like to think that he also deals in normal. He deals in distraction. He deals in deception. We think that he will only lead us into last place. But he's happy if you're in second place. He's happy if you're living A mediocre average life. The devil deals in normal. I know that's a harsh word. He'll convince you that mediocre is okay. He'll convince you that it's okay to be in second place. Look, that could have been the call of God for your life, but look, you still love him, you're good. That's not very disruptive to darkness. We need to be open, our eyes need to be open to his plans and deception sometimes so that we can see that God has way more for us, way more for us. And it's okay if you've been distracted by normal. It's all right. I have time and time again. But it's time to get disruptive, church. It's time to be ruined for normal. Because I could have decided to listen to the thousand voices who've tried to slow me down, who've tried to silence me. or oh, calm down, Bianca. It's okay. Settle down. How many times I've heard that? You're, just, you're running ahead, Bianca. Settle down. Quiet down. Sure. If my voice was silenced, it wouldn't be very beneficial to the kingdom of light. And I'm not really interested in my own plans or my own desires anymore because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have to die daily. And with it, my will, my plans, you know, actually, my will and my plans, they become His. And I want what He wants. And I'm gripped by what his heart is gripped by. It changes you, church. If I relied on me, even just one iota, I'd have given up this ministry thing a long time ago. It's not an easy road. (laughs) Ask any pastor and leader. You want tons of opinions? Become a pastor. You want tons of criticism, pastor. You want tons of opinions on what you wear, how you do your hair, what you say, every little detail of your life, become a pastor. If I relied on me, church, I'd given this up a long time ago. But here's one thing that I love and I was meditating on this week, right? that lots of slings and arrows can come against me, but it actually never separates me from God. All I have to do is draw nearer, draw nearer to him. That will never separate me. The devil is shook because of that. Okay, throw the slings and arrows. Clearly I don't care because it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And he is victorious. He is the anointed one. And he's filled me with his Holy Spirit of power and authority. So I just need to hang out with him a little bit more. And I'm okay. If I had relied on me, church, I wouldn't be doing anything that he's called me to do. And that's the thing. It's about surrender. It's about a yielded heart. We get so caught up in everything else. Let it go and let God, church. Let it go and let God. I do it unto the Lord. The more I know him, the more I become consumed by him. And that's the key. Know him. Know him. The more I know him, the more I become consumed by him. And the more I become consumed by him, the more consumed I am for his cause. And that's how it works, like what dad said. I get burdened sometimes for the loss, but it's actually more than that. It's spending time with him, being consumed by him, and then you're consumed for what consumes him. And I'll tell you what consumes him, his people. Reconciliation, loving you, relationship with you, So the more I become consumed by him and consumed for his cause, the more I lose myself. And isn't that what we're meant to do? Less of me and more of you. John the Baptist, that was a man consumed. Love that guy. Loved him. He was not afraid, you know. He was not afraid. Brood of vipers. Stiff-necked people making whips they were nuts they were wild for Jesus they were wild for Jesus I mean when you think about it sorry this is one of my favorite stories Elijah okay after he had been with the prophets of Baal and they couldn't get the fire to fall and he with the Lord God got the fire to fall do you know what he did after that No, listen. Guys, it's nuts. He killed 700 prophets. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's crazy. They were disruptive. Disruptive, anyway. Sorry, that was not on my message, but I just had to go there because I've been in these stories lately and seeing them in a new light just like whoa you did that Elijah I I couldn't do that but he did I'm crazy but my challenge today to you church is to allow heaven to interrupt and invade your life look beyond your natural eyes if we're dealing with powers and principalities we can't use natural means The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for pulling down strongholds. What does carnal mean? It's not things that we can do in the natural, but things that we do by the Spirit of God that dwells within us. You know, it aids your faith when you're opened up to heaven's realities. So sometimes so many of us struggle with faith. We struggle with stepping out, we struggle with moving out in faith, and you've heard something from God and you're like, or oh, I'm not sure about that, I can't do that. But when you see beyond the natural, when you see the supernatural, it actually aids your faith. It builds your faith. That's how God intended it all along. It aids what you do for him. We need our spiritualized church. And I often pray Ephesians 1 over people. And this is what it says. It says, therefore, I also, after I heard your faith, And your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, his wisdom, not man's wisdom, wisdom and revelation, revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Do you know that word enlightened? It's it's a really cool word. It actually means to be illuminated. It actually means that the supernatural is lit up in your life. Illuminated. It actually means that the supernatural is made manifest. What does manifest mean? It means tangible. That the supernatural is made manifest in your life. That you, being enlightened, may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his might and power which he worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. This is a great prayer to pray. Church, you want your spiritual eyes open. This is a great prayer to pray. God, open the eyes of my understanding. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might be enlightened to what is the hope of your calling. It's a great prayer to pray so that our eyes can be illuminated. It's photizo in the Greek, illuminated. For the things that we can't see in the natural, will be lit up before you. Take our eyes off the natural church and start to fix them on what's eternal. Take them off what's temporary, what's here for just a moment. You know, we've been given this ministry, this ministry of reconciliation, We've been given as a church this ministry to equip the saints. We've been given this ministry and God wants us to focus or to fix our eyes on what is eternal for that ministry so that we see sons and daughters return home. So that we see people step into all that they are in Christ Jesus. So that we see people walking out of bondage and into freedom. We need to start seeing these things with our spiritual eyes. My heart is gripped for eternity. So, how do we begin to see this apart from our spiritual eyes? Another one that God gave me in the last couple of weeks is this be like a child. Be like a child. Not, not childish, childlike. Childlike. So what is it to be childlike? To look at the world and God's creation and his majesty in awe and wonder. To look at everything he's done with awe and wonder. You know, I um, probably wasn't very interested in the outdoors before I had kids or animals or like random animal facts until I had my son, Max. He loves animals and he loves anything to do with science and space and all of those things. And he's constantly giving me random facts like a uh, colorful mantis shrimp punches 30 times faster the human eye can blink. And there's 7.5 quintillion grains of sand on the earth. But you know what, these things, I was never interested in them until I had kids And now I'm like, whoa, so much wonder, hey? That's what kids do. They look at things with so much wonder and so much awe. The other night I sat on my front porch and I watched that blood moon. And I was in awe and wonder of God's creation. We need to look at his majesty with awe and wonder. We need to gaze upon him with awe and wonder, And so even every miracle that we get to see, which we will see them, church, and I'm going to get to that, every miracle we see won't be like, oh, whatever. It will be with awe and wonder. Wow, God, look what you can do. Look what you can do. We need to stay childlike. We need to stay childlike, that awe and that wonder and that faith. They have such faith, children. They're not disrupted by what's happened in the world or, you know, they just have such faith. They just believe. We need to be like children and just believe. The questioning and the thousand plans and details and all of that, sometimes we need to lay it aside for a moment and be like a child and have faith like one. Be in awe and wonder like Jesus. Another way, how else do we start to get gripped by eternity? We linger longer in his presence. We linger longer. I think that's what we're missing sometimes. So the other day I was, um, I woke up in the morning, the first thing I do is, apart from getting a coffee, is I go and I turn my gas heater on because it's freezing in the morning. So I go and turn my gas heater and I have one of those old ones, like not like the ones that you just press the button and poof, I have to sit there and it goes click, 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 click for a good two minutes. You know those ones? Yeah, the gas heaters. And I, the other morning I was so tired, so tired. I'm very tired in the morning. I'm not a morning person in any way, shape or form at all. You cannot talk to me until at least 8 a.m. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to turn the heater on but I'm half asleep and Max is like, Mom, you just keep letting go before it lights up. And I'm like, I know that. And I'm like, click, 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 holding it down because the first light is always the longest and then the rest of the day it's easier to turn on, you know. And then as I took my um, hand off it, God's like, pay attention to that. And I was like, okay. Because every time I'd cold it down, nothing would happen and so I'd just be like, oh, forget it, I give up. And God's like, sometimes you have to linger A bit longer. How often we give up. Well, okay, my prayer time. I'm ready. Thank you, Jesus. He's not talking to me. I just can't hear anything. He's not talking. I give up. I can't do this. Blah, blah, blah. And then we go off and we start talking. And he's not had a moment to speak, really. I'm a culprit. Badly. Oh, everybody has been there, guys. But you know what I'm learning? That fire is lit and cultivated when we linger longer in the presence of God. When we lay and we just go, okay, no agenda, God. I don't even have anything to say. I'm just going to stop and I'm just going to lay here and I'm just going to wait for you. You've got to be a bit resilient about it. You've got to have a bit of grit and determination about it. You've got to be like, okay, I'm a holding on until you light this fire, God. You've got to wrestle with it sometimes, church. How easily we give up. Then he lights the fire and you're like, wow. And when you experience his fire, you don't want to go back to the cold. When that heat is on in the morning, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to go back to the cold. I don't want to go back to the cold, but how easily we forget what the fire feels like, church. Don't we? We forget what the fire feels like and so we're not willing to contend for it. But it's time to linger longer. This is the time, church. This is the time to linger longer, to press in in prayer. Isn't it interesting how every time you go to read the Bible, suddenly you have a to-do list the size of like, 100 things on your to-do list and then you're like okay I better just write this down so then I can read the bible so you write it down and then what was I thinking oh what was I doing and then you get distracted by something else and then you've not even read one one part of the bible isn't it interesting how you get distracted before you read it's not a coincidence church it's not a coincidence get behind me satan you and your to-do list I'm gonna read the word of God Isn't it interesting how I'm like, my my thing at the moment is I want to pray in tongues more and more every day. So, you know, you start to pray in tongues, then you're like, oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, I would really like to paint my walls. What was I doing? Oh, praying in tongues. Oh, my goodness. i got to start again. You know what I mean? No coincidence. You and your distractions enemy get behind me. I'm going to pray in tongues. And then you can stir yourself up, and you really build your faith. Has anybody been at that point when you have breakthrough when you're praying in tongues, and suddenly you're like, you're running around your house, you're on fire. But you have to get past that point. You have to get to that breakthrough point. Church, linger longer. It is time. We're not matu- We're not immature Christians anymore. Linger. Longer be saturated by his presence. I want to be saturated by it. I want his glory made manifest in my life every day. Linger longer. Amen. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. So back to what the Spirit of God wants to do in this place. Because the Spirit of God is going to be opened up in this place in a new way. And I'll keep prophesying it and keep prophesying it and keep prophesying it and keep prophesying it because it's truth. And I'll keep declaring it and declaring it and declaring it. I don't care how tired people are of hearing it. I'll keep going because it's the truth. The Spirit of God will be opened up in this place in a new way and it's going to release a spirit of freedom that has never been felt before and it's going to release the glory of God and the aroma of heaven that we haven't seen before. Church, our hearts need to be revived before revival comes. I want to take my hands off everything It's not about my plans or my hands or anything that I can say or do. It's all him because I want to see what he has in this church. Everything of us needs to be removed. Put it all aside for just a moment to pursue him. Anything that has taken your attention ahead of him is distracting you from heaven and it needs to be cast aside. Throw off the weight that so easily ensnares you. Hebrews 12 says, and fix your eyes. Because Jesus fixed his eyes for you. Says for the joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Despising its shame, church, he endured for you. He fixed his eyes for you. He was consumed in that moment by you, by reconciliation with you. And our life has died with Christ and is now. We were raised then with him, church. Raised then with him. I really feel like my, my laptop's just about dead. I really feel like God wants to just open up his spirit. Can we stand church. <laughs> When I went to Queensland a couple weeks back, I, um, you know, it was a really good time and I shared with you guys some of the cool stories that happened while we were up there and some amazing things. We saw deliverances, we saw healings, we saw people come to Jesus, we saw people set free. But something unusual happened to me up there and something unexpected. So I remember I went to a church service on the first Sunday night I went and I went out under the power of Jesus and I was on the floor. And then I started to sob and I was like, almost like had this anguish and sorrow. And I was like, I don't like this. I've never felt this. Is this from you, God? Because this is, uh, this is deep. And then the next night I went to another meeting and I was weeping. And I was like, God, this is getting crazy. Why am I weeping? I'm not really a weeper, especially not a sorrow weeper. Like what is happening? And then he took me to Joel 2. And he said, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion. So blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, consecrate a fast. Have we just fasted, church? Call a sacred assembly. Are we in a sacred assembly, church? Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. The children, I love it. I love that God mentions the children and we did that last week. Gather the children and even the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom grow out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. And when God showed me that, I was like, I know why I'm crying now. I'm crying for revival, Jesus. I'm crying for revived hearts. I'm crying so that your people are no longer a reproach. I'm crying because I want to see everything that you have, God. He gave a reason to my sorrow that night. And I knew instantly that he was birthing something new in my heart. And that was to see real change and real revival and real repentance. I heard it said a few times, oh, you need to repent daily and, you know, repent. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Because repentance means metanoia, a change of mind. It means a change of mind. It literally means I've changed my mind and I'm living this way now. Never to go back to the old. That's real repentance. It's not doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Oh, I'm sorry, God, but then going back to it. Real repentance is real change, church. It's changing your mind. And in turn, in turn, changing your behavior. And I started to meditate on repentance. And I said, Lord, how do we have this? I want this. I want real repentance in my own life. And he said, Bianca, the goodness of God leads to repentance. Become consumed by me. Become consumed by me. We've heard a lot of repentance messages, church. But if you think you just say sorry every time you sin and that's repentance, that's not it. Repentance... Is being consumed by him that you want to live differently, that your mind is changed. Renew our minds, Lord. Renew our mind, Lord. I know this is a harsh message. This girl with pink hair yelling at you to be gripped by eternity. Torah repent! I've always wanted to do that, though. And I often think about it because it doesn't say, like, you know, John the Baptist, because. I kind of love John the Baptist and it doesn't say what he said about repentance it just said that he preached a message of repentance do you ever ponder on what that message could have been you know so sometimes I'm like God you know the message that John the Baptist had on repentance yeah yeah give it to me I want the download (laughs) anyway just another side note I'm getting distracted but church are you ready to be reignited this morning Let's have the worship team up because I want us reignited because revival doesn't start with just going out and outreaching. Revival starts in your own heart, in your own family, in your own life. Revival starts with a change of mind. I cry between the porch and the altar and you'll see me and I've probably cried a hundred times on this altar can I tell you church that there's something about this altar it may just look like a positional thing to you like oh like yeah it's just the front of the stage I can feel the presence of God back there absolutely you can but there's something about the altar there is something about the altar pastor George had a dream where is he there he is he had it actually do you want to share your dream he had a dream about fire here and i have not been able to get it out of my head so we're just going to share that and then we're going to pray and then we'll see what happens thank you well been put on the spot Sorry. um with dreams i normally forget my dreams but this one in particular a couple of weeks ago i dreamt and it was church just like this this morning faces and there was a fire just blazing in the front of the stage it wasn't a consuming fire it wasn't burning it was the presence of a fire burning in the front of the stage and then I looked in the congregation. And there was lots of fires, pot fires, of people be, being God's presence being upon them. So I woke up, and a dream just stuck to my mind. And God was just saying something. There's something happening at Living Grace, and the fire of God is present in this place. So, Amen. See, the fire started here, church. And sometimes it takes a step of faith, a decision in your heart that actually it's not about me. Because often we want to stay seated for our own reasons. But it's actually about what God wants to do. I want to be reignited daily. Reignite me daily, Lord. And then it's our job to keep it burning. So this morning, church, I'm going to open up the altar. And I believe actually this morning, I know that... um, Andrew has some prophetic prophetic words for some people in this place this morning, which is awesome. But I also um, believe, and God gave me the word, that people were going to have new commissions, new plans, new visions this morning. And that old visions, old plans, and old dreams that have been fallen by the wayside are going to be reignited in this place. That the plans for eternity that we once had will grip us once more. So I just pray, church, that we can come here and reach out and say, God, whatever you have for me this morning, I want it. Let your fire fall. So Holy Spirit, right now, we open up this altar and we say, let your fire fall. Rip the roof off this place if you have to and pour it in. We want nothing but what you have. I'm done with religion. I'm done with man's wisdom. I'm done with man's opinion. I'm done with planning and flow charts, God. I want the flow of your spirit. Nothing more. So rip the roof off this place, Holy Spirit, and pour out. Church, I just really feel that we need to contend for it, to pray for it, to ask for it this morning. We need a step of faith in this place so if you want your dreams reignited if you want to feel the fire once again then I would ask you to come and God will reignite that flame in you God will reignite that flame in you okay Um, and then maybe Andrew do you want to give your words now or when you're ready not to cut across what